Thanks for tuning in to our Monday Night Godcast, an immersive and interactive discussion of the Bible. If you're listening to this right now, then I know for a fact that God has something for you. That's right, you. I'm glad you're here. Let's dive into God's Word and see what He has in store for us today. says, then Jesus, accompanied by his disciples, uh, sorry, then, then, wow, I can't read today. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you won't give in temptation. Um, But we see again, Jesus leaving, and it says, he went, as usual, to pray to the Mount of Olives. The scriptures say it was a custom, it was, it was usual for him to go to the Mount of Olives and to other deserted places to pray. Jesus, prayer for Jesus was not just some, you know, thing tucked away on the outside of his life. Prayer was at the center of his life. Prayer, um, Jesus prayed because he needed to pray. Alright, so we're going to all turn to Luke 11. Luke 11, we're just looking at verses 1 through 4 at first. 
You said verses 1 through 4? Yeah. Anybody want to read that? Four verses? Luke 11, 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Cool. Yeah, we all probably know that prayer, it's, you know, called the Lord's Prayer, um, which really should be called the Disciples' Prayer, because the Lord is giving this prayer to them. He's saying, teach us how, they're, they're asking, teach us how to pray, so he says, pray like this. And, you know, he's not saying, you know, say these exact words every time you want to pray. He's, he's showing them a heart posture of, like, glorify God. And then ask for what you need. And ask for forgiveness. And, you know, it's showing your reliance and dependence on God. Jesus is in a constant posture of prayer. It's not just a matter of taking time to pray but being in that constant communion with the Father. Uh, let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verses 13 to 23. 13 to 23? Yeah, yeah, no, it's two verses in the next section. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered. I am ready to Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent them. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Awesome. What do you guys see that happened in that section? Other observations, comments? The blessing may have been a prayer. Even though, that? even though it says a blessing, when he blessed the food, mm -hmm. it could have been a prayer. Yep. And then he went away to pray. Mm -hmm. He prayed, verse 13, he prayed. He prayed in the middle, praying for the food. And the last part that we read, he went away to pray again. Mm -hmm. You know, we started at verse 13, saying as soon as, as Jesus heard the news. The news was, if you look right before that, the death of John the Baptist. So that's That was the news that he just heard. But he went away to be alone. And often, you know, whenever he went away to be alone, he was spending time with God. He was praying. And then crowds followed him. And he saw the crowds. And he didn't just, like, run away. He's like, no, 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 I'm trying to pray. Leave me alone. But then he, you know, he had compassion on them. And he took time to, to heal their sick. And then people brought a need to him, saying, hey, uh, we should send them away because... There's a lot of people who are hungry over here. And he's like, cool, feed them. And then, you know, Jesus tells them to feed them. And they tell him, 
the reason why they can't, no problem, right? Like, we can't. All we have is this little bit. And he took that little bit and he blessed it. He raised it up to God and he prayed over it. That was his first instinct, not, all right, what should we do? You know, okay, like, I think in another, one of the other Gospels of, uh, you know, this account, or maybe it was when they fed the 2,000 another time, they say, oh, like, even if we were to all go work for, you know, days and days, we wouldn't have enough money to, to have enough food to feed all these people mm -hmm. for, you know, one meal, and yet he was able to take just, again, a few fish and a few loaves and bless them, raise them up to God, present what they have to God, and he multiplied it. I like that he prayed. Hallelujahs be multiplied. Right? Like, I just thought of that. That wasn't coordinated. It took, you take what you have. Hallelujah, God, thank you for this food that we have. Yeah. And he multiplies it. He takes what you have, he meets you where you're at, and is able to take a little and make it into a lot with offering it to him. So I, like, so I like that he prayed after the blessing. I think sometimes even in my own life, like I'll pray and then like I'll get the blessing, and then like I'll be like, cool, thank God, and then just walk on without my life. And like, well, I prayed the first time, so you heard me the first time, right? That's like Jesus. The rest, like, oh, I told you I loved you, but like, like even with your own parents, like you like you leave sometimes you say I love you, but then it's like, why don't you say it every day? Like you tell your parents every day. Yeah, you know, I did everyone's situation, but I think it's kind of that same thing. Jesus didn't just say or talk to his. Father one time got the gift, got the blessing, and then said, thanks, man. And then just hiked. And, but he, he stayed and he prayed again. He said, thank you. Probably, I'm assuming that prayer of the mountain was maybe a prayer of thankfulness. And thank you for even providing. And then over-providing with the 12 extra baskets of food after collecting the fragments. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. other people, including women and children, right? So there's at least 10,000 people you're dealing with. There's 12 disciples, major disciples, then there's another, there's a total of 72, if you include all of them, right? So there's another 60 outside of that. Those 72 people just became wait staff for 10,000 people. Like, just, just, I mean, at I know least. you know what, you're, what I'm talking about when it comes to the catering space. I don't know what I'm talking about, except the basic math of, like, each person is taking on over 100 people. Yeah. Like, for handing food out, and then... The reason I thought of it was collecting the 12 baskets afterwards. Like, they bothered to go around and be like, hey, can I take your plate? Are you done with that? Like, kind of thing. And, put it and it just kind of clicked in my brain of just, like, that's a lot of freaking people. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a big deal. Um, yeah. And, like, you're talking yeah. about, like, this guy's a fisherman, right? This guy's a tax collector. They're not exactly used to the whole process, but all of a sudden, it's, that's just a day in the life of following Jesus, right? It's like, okay, go into town, and you're going to meet a guy, and he's got a donkey there tied up. Like, go get it. And then if you're asked about it, say it's for the Lord's purpose, and he's going to be like, cool. And, and that's exactly what happens. But it's like, that's what your job is today. And that's it's just very interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It could have just as easily been twenty or thirty thousand people. One hundred percent, yeah, like, absolutely. Just as easily, yeah, yeah. But it's still the same amount of seventy-two people, just <laughs> like being waitstaff. Yeah. It's crazy. Who ate as much as they wanted, not just yeah, what they yeah, needed, yeah. but as much as they wanted yeah. to eat. Not just everyone take one little nibble and like that's like we're gonna ration this and like it's like mm -hmm. take what you want. Yeah. I mean, just imagine today the amount of money just to make beans and rice for twenty thousand people. Bare as it gets, but you know, yeah. I can't even imagine a truck big enough for that much stuff to feed twenty thousand people. Like, like you know. no, I, I gotcha. That was another thought that I had because, like, the other translation that you were looking for was um, in uh, in Mark six when he says, uh, "But he answered them, you give them something to eat." And they said to him, "Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat?" So, like, two hundred denarii, one denarii is a day's wages, which I did the math back in the day, like, but if, if you were to 
you make fifty nine thousand dollars a year, two hundred days, you know, you're looking at like forty grand, give or take. Wow. So like forty two grand worth of bread. And they're like, should we go buy forty two thousand dollars worth of bread <laughs> for these people that are here? Yeah. And he's That's like, insane. Nah, fam. Anyhow, <laughs> it's just. Mind-boggling. That's to me. crazy. Okay, that's I like that. Yeah, that's the way my brain yeah. works. In case you didn't. Know. Uh, you can look at so many different aspects of this just to break it down. Of like, I see what you did there, Jesus. Like the fact that it's bread. You know, and he says, "I'm the bread of life," right? And you can look at okay, there's twelve baskets left, twelve tribes, twelve disciples. Like you know, twelve is in the Bible all throughout. And I mean, just just all all these aspects, and just meeting their basic needs, hunger, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus, who is fully God, is not able to walk out in the purposes given to him without God the Father. It's a really trippy thing to think about, mm -hmm. you think? but like he got tired. That's just that, that, that gets on. Like he would have had the longest day ever. Well, so he just got news that his friend, his cousin, was just killed. And then he's trying to go yeah. be alone, and all these people follow him, and then he ends up healing everyone. And then, and then all these, you know, ten plus thousand people are coming to him hungry, and he provides, he multiplies, and and then he's like, I can't even be alone. And this isn't the direction where I was going to go with this, but then you know, you can look at this like, why would Jesus, who knows what's about to happen next, send them out into the sea to a storm that's coming? And it just goes to show he's not ever going to send you somewhere alone. And it seems like you're alone, or he's not going to send you into something that you can't handle. Mm -hmm. He's there along. He's there along with you. He sent them out into the sea, and then they see him starting to walk on water, and that's where that's where the rest of this passage goes to. And you know, and then we all know the story from there. Peter calls. You know, they think it's a ghost, and then Peter calls out, "Jesus, if it's you, call me out in the water." But that's that's great, and so yeah, we we see this constant time that Jesus takes apart from other people to spend time alone with God. What do you guys think prevents us from having communion with God? Having time alone, fellowship with God? There's no right or wrong answer. Distractions. Distractions. Busyness. Mm -hmm. Feeling mad at God sometimes. Oh, don't like those moments. <laughs> Snooze button one too many times. Yeah, for sure. One? One three. too many times. Yeah. 
One too many times. <laughs> I was ta I was referencing the seventh time. Yeah. One too many. Okay. Uh, I don't have to turn there, but um, 1 John 1 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I think one thing that also you know, impedes our communion with, with Christ is our sin. While our union with Christ cannot be hindered or broken, the sweetness and intimacy of our fellowship with Christ can be hindered through sin. Much like a marriage can be hurt when a partner commits wrong, so too our communion with Christ suffer when we fail to demonstrate our love to Him through obedience. Each moment of willful sin can erode and chip away at our communion with Christ. So sin can definitely prevent us, along with all those other things just mentioned, right? You know, not prioritizing, you know, hurt, anger, you know, all these emotions, um, just busyness, distractions, all these things can, can definitely separate us. You know, if Jesus had any of those things, if, if Jesus chose to, you know, he didn't sin. But if he sinned, then he'd be preoccupied. If he, if he wasn't um, prioritizing his time, he was like, oh, you know what, let me do this instead. And we see he was, he was trying to get away from the crowd. And then all these people came and followed him. He had compassion. And, you know, he kind of stopped what he was doing to, to heal the, their sick. But I don't think that's a matter of Jesus had the wrong priority there. He should have, you know continue praying with God instead of healing all those people. And, you know, in that moment, he said, no, I'm going to heal these people. And then there are times where he's healing someone, and someone else comes up to him and says, Jesus, my, you know, son is dying, my daughter is dying. And he's just like, go, they're good. You know, and other times it's just like, your faith has made you well. And it's not a matter of, you know, he prioritized this one or didn't prioritize that one, but, you know, he, he met them all where they're at. He was kind of like actively listening to like what the Lord was wanting him to do. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes like we had like our Sunday plans like go to church on Sunday to go to like if some people go to like dinner or lunch or breakfast or do whatever they got to do. Watch now they're watching the football game. But then like even like as Christians or people that follow Christ, if something tries to like, intervene that plan on Sunday, sometimes I know sometimes the man's like, man, that's I'm supposed to be doing this on Sunday. Why are you asking me? Or do I really have to do that it's on Sunday? I'm supposed to go to church. Like I always use like sometimes church as an excuse to get out of doing other things to tell the people like well sorry man I got church can't can't go to that but like I think Jesus in this moment saw yes he knew he was he, he wanted to go pray he wanted to be alone with his father but then God presented an opportunity like look this can also be a way you can have a relationship with me it's not just about doing like the little works and like the prayers and it's actually doing doing the do like actually going out into the world and really showing that love and it's like well Jesus Christ he's God why would he even have to prove that he's like he's just that perfect example of what mankind could have been like without sin without a blemish of sin this is what this is what we could have been so we could one day we'll be brought to that glory to be with Jesus and have it be like this to not have to have sin in our lives and death and so that's pretty cool cool Going back to priorities, mm -hmm. um, there's one case where Jesus might have had a different priority, but that doesn't mean he didn't have a plan. Mm. And specifically, I'm thinking Lazarus. I forget what Jesus was doing while Lazarus was sick before he died, but he didn't rush off to go do that other thing. Mm -hmm. He was His priority, apparently, at the time was whatever he was doing at that particular moment. But that didn't mean there was wasn't... three days when Lazarus was dead... <clears throat> Right, but that didn't mean there wasn't a plan, mm -hmm. right? He had it covered. So, yeah. I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. Um, it's also fun because, like, so many times throughout the Gospels, it just mentions Jesus, like, oh, Jesus snuck off. <laughs> and it's just like this guy who's kind of a pop culture celebrity through certain parts of the Bible. Like, mm -hmm. obviously, he, you know, He'd get a mass following and he'd be like, hey, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they'd be like, okay, cool, Jesus, let me know when you're doing the miracles again. I'm going to dip out. <laughs> yeah. But, like, kind of ebbs and flows throughout. He's a person of notoriety at this point. And 
somehow just manages to dip out whenever he feels like and he's mm-hmm. just kind of like all right i gotta go talk yeah. to dad yeah he, he had a knack for that of you know being able to escape from people trying to kill him several times you know who just like disappear into the crowd or just like mm-hmm. transport him you know like just vanish you know like pharisees trying to kill him is like and then jesus left the temple and it's like jesus has left the building and he's like he's just gone and they can't find him and other times he's with his closest people and he's just like i'm going away by myself for a while i'm gonna go pray um but that goes up to my next point you know we we need to remember also that like jesus's um you know godliness his deity wasn't swallowed up by his humanity through his earthly life you know, he was fully man fully god right and he got hungry and tired. He grew and he learned. He sweat and he bled. He suffered. He died. And he also prayed. He prayed a lot. He took his request to his father. Um, he prioritized his time with God as a man who needed to do so for his own soul, for uh, fulfilling righteousness. And if it was necessary... For him to pray, how much more necessary is it for us to pray? Mm-hmm. And oh, I have one other thing I want to read here. I hope I included it. You know, we think about think about like what we pray for, right? And we're Jesus doesn't need to do some of these things, right? He doesn't need to ask for forgiveness. He doesn't need to ask for you know. He doesn't need to, he doesn't have any need to repent. He doesn't have you know. We think about what our daily prayers look like, and most of these there's no need for Jesus to ask like, oh God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, you know what what should I be doing? Like he's just in constant communication and. In fellowship with the Father, that He just He just knows, mm-hmm. because He's so His His will is lined up with with God's. I think human doubt still crept in sometimes, though. Now, I think human doubt would still creep into His life, though. You know, on, on some level, um, you know, it might be just you know that moment when He goes to God, He's good, you know, but He was still human. So one of my favorite like. I guess human moments that Jesus had was in the Garden of Gethsemane, when like he has like a real moment with God. He's like, "I'm scared, dude." He was like, if he like he was like asking him and was like, "Hey, is there anything else that like is there, is there any other way? Is there anything else we could do?" Because like he was like really scared of this being crucified. I was thinking about exactly. God literally just tells him, "No, you got to do this," and Jesus still follows willfully. But I just think like. I like doing like the differences between other religions and other faiths and I've just never seen a God do that or even like mm-hmm. to like be scared of something and then still do it knowing what was about to happen to him. Mm-hmm. Still do a, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made, whether whatever side of the story you go on or come from or whatever part of the world you come from, that right there to me just that, that sticks out to me at the most about just the character and the kind of person who Jesus was. that How human he was, but then also how loving he was also. And how, I guess, heavenly or godly he was in that moment. So, practically, what does this look like in 2023? What does it look like to, to pray, to commune with the Father, to spend time in fellowship and prayer? What does it look like? How, do, how does it look to be, to have faith and to know that God hears us and that he answers prayers. Doesn't mean that he does exactly what we ask. But what does it look like? How how do you balance between praying and doing and relying, trusting, or and balance that fine line of being lazy and expecting God to just drop things down in front of you on a silver platter? What does this look like? Anyone have any thoughts, suggestions, or practical ways without going about this or thinking about it? It's not an easy question. Can you, re- can you reword the question? What does it look like to practically have faith 
to pray, say say you're praying for something big, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, while you were searching for a house, mm-hmm. right? You're praying, like, God, help us find the right house. What does it look like to be praying for something, praying for healing, praying for a marriage, praying for a new job, praying for family members, praying for sickness? What does it look like to pray for these things or anything mm-hmm. and to kind of balance <clears throat> faith but also action? Whichever one you're doing because you don't trust God is the wrong one. If that makes any sense. Like if you, whichever one you're doing because you don't trust God is the wrong one. So I feel like if you're, if you're like, all right, well, you know, I, um, it's like, yeah, God, I really want this. And then you're like, so I'm going to do everything in my worldly power to go do it or something like that. Um, because you don't have faith that God's going to provide it, that's like the wrong one. Does that make any sense? And then on the flip side of the spectrum, if you're doing it, if you're doing it the other way and you're like, okay, God, like you're going to provide this, but I'm going to put in absolutely zero effort on my end and I'm not going to obey what you have to say to me and do these things, like that's also the wrong way to do it. Um, I think it's, I think, I don't know, I've been thinking about this a lot over the past few months with, in, in respect to other things, but I believe that your faith is rewarded whichever side of the spectrum you end up landing on. Like David had this really big thing for touch not the Lord's anointed, where he refused to kill King Saul. Um, even though King Saul had to die, and that was God's plan, was for King Saul to die. It had to happen. Um, but, God, but David was so against it because in his mind... And in his belief, King Saul had been anointed by God. Mm. Right? God had put him in the position that he was. So his perspective is like, don't you dare mess with Saul. Um, to the point that he actually kills the people that killed Saul. Saul, sorry. Um, but that's not an inherently like biblical belief that David has. But because David has that faith that God is going to do what he said he's going to do, um, he trusts he trusts God's pur- purpose and God's plan that he doesn't have to uh, that God rewards his faith even though it doesn't necessarily happen the way that he expects it if that makes any sense okay. it was a little bit long winded there and if it didn't make sense at the end that's fine it is what it is I think part of it is and of course, it's not just like a, you know, A plus B equals C. You know, it's not just like, hey, do this and that's it. You know, or, or like, hey, I figured out the, the formula to God. Like, if you do this, it'll always, you know, answer this way. But I think part of it is, you know, not being passive. To not just pray and then just sit there expecting God to solve everything. Right? Because we even see, we even see, you know, when in that example in Matthew 14 about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Well, I'm going to say it in this one, but I believe in Mark or in one of the other ones and in one of the other accounts. Okay. Well, actually, they, they brought it here. Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish, um, but like, yeah, we can't really do anything with this for 5,000 people. It was, they kind of like brought it to him kind of awkwardly like hey god I, there's 10,000 hungry people but like I've got this much food mm. guess that won't really do anything will it god huh you know like it seemed kind of silly I think on their part but at the same time they're not just passively going what are you going to do about it Jesus <laughs> people are hungry like fix this problem that we're in no they're like hey like this isn't a solution to everything this can maybe only feed a few people, but that's what we have. And, and mm-hmm. We can't figure out how to feed the rest of them, so Jesus, we need you to help us here, to help us where we're at. And with that, he was able to, to multiply it, right? To take what was given and multiply it. I think part of it is um, that there was this quote I found basically saying uh, because, of, you know, because of what God done for us, his action, 
should compel and motivate us to act. We should pray, but we should also act. Here's the quote. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Like Jesus, we should pray as though... Here's the kicker. Like Jesus, we should pray as though it all depended on God, but act responsibly and obediently as though it all depended on us. I'm going to say that one more time. That quote, by? Uh, that quote was John Wesley. Um, like Jesus, we should pray as though it all depended on God, but act responsibly and obediently as though it all depended on us. Now that's not a biblical, you know, reference, but I think the, I think what it's talking about lines up with biblical truth of mm -hmm. you're praying and you're believing, right? You're having the faith. You're praying as though it all depended on God. God, I can't do this without you. God, I need you to come through. Jesus, all I have are five loaves and a few fish, like... But act responsibly and obediently. Don't just say and then act and depend and act like it's all on you. No, act responsibly and obediently as though it all depended on you. Mm -hmm. no, you're not just going to pray for a house and say, God, will you provide us a house? In Jesus' name, amen. And then just sit there and expect keys and a deed to fall in front of you. That's ridiculous. It's not going to happen, guys. But you're acting responsibly and obediently as though it all depends on you. Alright, we've prayed. God help us throughout our search. Show us things that will deter us. Block, you know, set up walls and, and places that, you know, aren't for us. And, you know, build bridges for places that are for us. And make it abundantly clear that this is for us. And abundantly clear that these ones aren't for us. And you're, you're taking action. It's that... Faith without works is dead, right? You can't have just faith. Um, you, faith is the most important thing. But if you don't have works, well, then what is your faith doing? Mm -hmm. But you can't just have works because if you're just doing good things for no reason, well, they're worthless. You got you, they, they have the both, the faith and the works. Right? Just like here, it's you need to pray as though it all depended on God, but act responsibly and obedient as though it depended on you. It's the prayer and it's the action. They go hand in hand. And praying isn't a passive. It's not, it's not just being passive. And you pray for your benefit, not for God's benefit. Like, <laughs> it's, uh, you're not conditioning God. You have to condition yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the whole heart mm -hmm. posturing. Like, in, in Matthew 6, this is the other account of the Lord's prayer. <clears throat> He goes into a lot more detail, which was kind of interesting to read Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. It's like what Luke writes down there is just very different. You know, it's just it's the same thing. It's just a little bit less. Mm -hmm. uh, but he says, like, yeah, he's like exactly uh, right in the prescription. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. This reminds me of like the Elijah story with the like them just praying for hours on end um, to gods that didn't exist. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him for your father knows what you need before you ask him not your father needs knows what you need so don't ask him like <laughs> different thing right you're praying for you not for him he knows what you need um but you might not even know pray then like this our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debt debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And like, 
the conversation there is just there's so much going on. Um, actually, can we all flip there? Because that was actually where I was going to go next. Oh, okay. Perfect. Matthew's, uh, Matthew chapter 6. But just like the amount of God's love is unconditional, but that doesn't mean you don't have conditions that he requires for things that he requires of you. And like that line, forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. Like there's no way around that. Of the, like that is a requirement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't have an option here. Um, so anyhow. No, that's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna reread a few of those verses just to, to highlight it again. This is Matthew six, uh, verse five. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that's all the reward they'll ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Right? So he doesn't just talk the talk, he models this himself, right? He goes away all the time. Several places of the Bible says he often retreats to the Mount of Olives. He often re retreats over here to be by himself in prayer. And we see all the time, all these accounts of Jesus doing this on a regular basis, of taking the time to go away. Now, he also prayed in front of other people. But if you look at his wording, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly, where everyone can see them, Right, because that's all the reward they're going to get. People are just thinking, wow, they're so holy. Oh, they pray so elegantly. Oh, do you hear what he said? Oh, he prayed for five hours straight. Oh, he's such a holy person. Like, great. That's all I'm going to get from that prayer. But Jesus is saying, in his modeling and how he lives his life, and he's talking about, he's focusing here on the motivation for the person's prayer. Here he's, re he's referring to those who love to pray in order to be seen by others, those who do it for show, and it's called hypocritical, and uh, it lacks authenticity. Mm -hmm. uh, from Jesus, we, we also learn the key to teaching prayer by example, needing authenticity, doing it for the right reasons. Modeling prayer isn't something that you can just purposely do to set yourself up as an example. But it's, it's what happens when you truly devote yourself to prayer. Colossians 4.2 And when you really do pray without ceasing, like what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, then you can actually be passionate about what you're praying about. To be an example in praying, you must be you must pray to be heard by God, not to be an example in praying. Jesus isn't giving an example of how to pray, so that he can be an example of how to pray. But he's praying to be heard by God in his prayers. That's why he's often going away to to be praying in in, in private. Do you find it easier to pray when things are going good or when things are going bad? For me personally, sometimes when things are going bad, I my prayers might be more have a whole lot more emotion and heart in it. Um, I say when things are just kind of going good. Kind of like good prayers, and when they're when everything's going really well, I'll have I'll have prayers of just all praise to God. Um, but it's definitely I, I think natural and normal to have like. How did you ask the question? Do you do you? I guess do you find it easier to pray? Oh, easier like, to yeah. pray. Um, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts too. Is it easier to pray when things are good or bad or My thought mediocre? was easier to pray when things are good, but you put more priority in praying when things are bad. Yeah. Going on the easy yeah. theme. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. See, for me, I'd be like, for me, I guess it would be more like when things are going good, when I'm actually reading my Bible, 
and I'm, I'm like doing like I'm, like I'm really staying like um, obedient to God. That's when I'm praying more. But then when like I know I'm not doing the right thing, I like I'm real big on like the shame. Like I always have a problem with shame or guilt, or things like that. And that's when like I, what I don't know if that's just like. Either just something else underneath that hasn't been, but like I always like I run away from God almost, and you know like like when things are going bad, I'm like. Well, God hates me. Might as well hide from him for a couple, couple of days, and maybe I'll come back later. Or, I don't know why it goes to that. Why I go straight to running away when I know, multiple times in my life, God has been there. When even worse than I am now. Yeah. And yet I still feel like I'm. You know what? Maybe God doesn't want to talk to me right now. God definitely doesn't want want to deal with this right now. So I'm just gonna keep away. Or I don't know. I don't know why. But I don't, but then when it's going good, I'm like. Oh, I knew God. I knew, I knew the whole time, God. I knew, I knew, I knew you were like, yeah. It's like, or like, but like, that's why like, I don't know why. And like, sometimes I feel like that's an opposite for a lot of people. Like, when things are going good, they tend to forget about God. When things are going better, like, hey, God, please help me, help me, help me. But then it's like, I almost feel ashamed to ask for help to God right. because of how much help he's already given me. You know what I mean? So because it's like, I screwed it up when you exactly, I, Exactly. Time, it's like, dude, I, I've been, I screw it up every single time. And it's like, ah, you're tired of it. No, I was like, when things get good, I'll pr- and then, but I know that's definitely not it, and I'm slowly coming out of that, but I just feel like that's how it is sometimes. It'd be interesting to see, like, if, if, if our every prayer was recorded, or if we could recall our, mm. you know, every word of every prayer, if we could see what our prayers look like in the good times and what they look like in the bad times, because it's really easy in the good times to praise and glorify God and mm-hmm. tell Him how great He is and worship Him and glorify Him, right? Like, God, thank you for this promotion. God, thank you for this house. God, thank you for this. God, you're so good. God, you are so good all the time. All the time, you are good. Right? But when things suck and nothing is going your way and we're just like, God, I need you in this. And, you know, I need this. I need this. God, help me with this. Help me with that. But where is the praise? Where is the worship? Where is the glory? Mm-hmm. Like, he deserves it in the high and the low, not just when things are going good. Like, like our, the example of prayer here. Our Father in our heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where is that in the bad times? It's easy to say that in the good times. God, you are good. Thank you for answering this prayer. God, thank you that you didn't answer my prayer, but this happened instead. Oh, that's so much better. God, you're awesome. You're great. You're so good. Thank you, God. On the flip side, Mm -hmm. God, this isn't going the way I thought it would. God, I need you to, to show up here. God, I need this. I need that. Me, me, me. I, I, I. Help me, help me, help me. There needs to be that mm-hmm. that praise. That needs, that's that's mm-hmm. part of the heart posture of prayers. That whole... I mean, you can just look at the Lord's Prayer as the example of how to pray. Of yeah. Glorify God. Mm-hmm. Ask for forgiveness. Present your request to Him. Yeah. I much more relate to your mm-hmm. line of thinking. Which is kind of why I asked the question a little bit because I, I will very much get on myself anything, anytime something. It's like, well, obviously, like if I have a relationship with God, if my relationship with God isn't great, it's not because God's not great, obviously, yeah. right? He's perfect, so it's got to be my fault, mm-hmm. right? And so, really, I don't know. I was reading, I looked up, like, what. What psalm did David write after Bathsheba? Because that was my question. Like, and the guts that David has, like, the, just the confidence that mm-hmm. David has and that God is who he says he is, is mind-boggling to me. Can I read a little bit of it? Of the psalm? Yeah, Psalm 51. Sure. He I, goes, I was kind of smirking because I saw a real, I think, yesterday that was like, Oh, yeah? That was like, when David gets to heaven and, like, everyone's clapping, and then, and then it shows, like, the guy who's playing David and... And like, but then he sees Uriah, and he's like, run. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in my sin did my mother conceive me. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. 
Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. This is one of the few times in the Old Testament it mentions Holy Spirit, by the way. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will, do, will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And that's the part that I always miss because I'm always like, oh man, I gotta like sacrifice. I gotta fix stuff. Mm -hmm. I gotta do stuff in order to be right. And it's like, that's not what God cares about. God doesn't care about sacrifice yet. He wants you to obey first. Mm -hmm. Like, and just you got to go talk to him. And like, just the, <clears throat> like, this is likely a psalm that's written because Bathsheba's pregnant, right? And then God straight up, Nathan comes up and says, yo, you done messed up. And then he says, okay, so like your son that you would have with Bathsheba is going to die. Um, and so this very well could be like a song that he's while he's like tearing his clothes and like putting ashes on himself and praying for seven days Mm. about this kid that's going to die like this whole conversation is a conversation he's having and just like the the ability to say like have mercy on me I feel like is just I don't know it just takes a lot it's like uh, yeah he had mercy on you for like like the past 60,000 times Mm -hmm. and like look at where you are but it's like that's not the way God works he wants you anyhow sorry I'm talking a lot this is like very much speaking to like exactly what I've been kind of looking into for the past couple months so awesome not all good Any other thoughts from where we're at right now? From uh, Matthew 6. About what he was saying about what not to do when you pray. (coughs) Just curious, does anyone, if I'm not going to ask you to share anything from it, but does anyone keep a prayer journal? Like journal their prayers? It's, um, I don't do it often, nor have I in quite a while, but I used to be in the habit of doing it more often, and it is the coolest thing ever to see your, like, I can look back right now and see what I was praying 12 years ago, and to see where my heart was at in those prayers, to see what I was constantly praying for over and over and over, to see the, the immature and the mature things, and see the growth also through the years. And I also, I, I would do it in different ways and write out, um, uh, some days I would do both and I would do a, a checklist. And other days I'd just write a whole, you know, long page or two of, of just a written out prayer. And then next time I go into the prayer journal, I'd start at the beginning every time I just kind of flip through and I'd check things and write a date and a, or an approximate date of when something was answered as either a yes or a no. And to see and flip through and if I'm flipping through it, I'll still see blank spaces of things that weren't checked. But I'll also see a lot of the check marks of things that were answered. Really cool to see God answered those prayers. He answered these ones. He answered, whew, good thing he didn't answer that one. Because, wow, 10-year-old, <laughs> or, you know, 10-year-old, 10-year previous me was stupid praying for that. Glad that didn't happen, you know, to, to see those things. Um, and um, so there's a challenge or an invitation for any of you guys who, um, or just write out one prayer maybe, um, just to take the time to, to write it out. It takes a whole lot longer to write it 
than to than to just speak mm -hmm. it or to think it or you know pray while you're driving, but to take that time to just commune with God, to set yourself apart and to just sit with Him and you know write out a prayer to. Um, um, yeah, to just just spend time there with God is 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 really really cool, really special. Um, and being able to reflect on it and see it again later is really cool. But we, we have the model here of how Jesus prayed and how he taught about how to pray and that he didn't just say, this is how you do it, now do it, but that he modeled it. And he, he showed us how to pray. And he was the example of how to pray. And when we ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? When we look at what he did do, he prayed a lot, and the fact that he is 100% God, but yet still human, just shows how important it is, how reliant one who is one with God prayed so often, how much more do we need to pray, because we rely on him a whole lot more. Otherwise, that might be all I have for you guys for today. Any other thoughts? Comments, questions. Back to your question earlier about like what is like I guess faith or prayer look like in twenty twenty three, and as long as for at least for me and Haley. So like sometimes when I go over Haley's house after she gets home from work or after I get off work, and then when I leave we'll do it, we'll pray at the end of the night, and it's definitely I like it just because it's like prayer like that prayer. It's like kind of like you get to see where God's moving in your life because like. God already kind of knows like what's going to happen. He lives. He he's, he lives outside time, of or at least the, how we perceive time, and he knows the future. He knows the past. He knows the present, and so it's like sometimes like I wonder like when good things happen. I know it's from God, but like how much more of a uh, impact it would have had if I would have been praying for those things, and then that thing happened. Because like, did my prayer alter how this would have happened, or? Was it going to happen? And then me praying, praying, kind of helps me to understand, like, am I praying for what God wants in my life? Like, yesterday, because, like, recently we have a lot of things coming up because we're about to move to the house. we got to call a whole bunch of people. So we've just been praying to, like, hey, God, make, make these transitions smooth and just help help things get done. And I, he, God knows us. He knows me. I'm a procrastinator. Or sometimes I lose track of time throughout the day, so I can't get things done the way I wanted to or I'll think it. But today I'm driving on the way home, and today I was telling Hale, I was like, yeah, I'm going to call the uh, the uh, security system people to uh, reschedule because we can't move until next weekend or next week, and it's coming this week, and they're still there. It's just weird to have people come, and I was like, we'll just reschedule it. And I was just going to wait till I got home, but like on the way home, they called me. And they are like, hey, did you, did you want to reschedule? And I was like... Yes, I did. <laughs> and I was like, it'd be funny if I'm about to call you in about 30 minutes, but sure, we'll do it right now. So we did it right then, and like, right there, like, I just immediately thought, I was like, God, I was like, I think you're looking out for me. I think like, that's something that maybe God wanted us, like, today, like, today I took a half day to kind of do some stuff. And it's just, like, if I didn't make, have that prayer, maybe I wouldn't be able to give that glory to God where it's deserved. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just, I don't know. It's a good way to think about it, but I enjoy praying for certain things in them keep praying for them and then when they show up and they get answers sometimes they don't get answered but then I know well we prayed for it and got answered and it's good to like just go back and think about those prayers that either they were answered or some house there's like gosh should we go to this house well clear nose on some of them and some of them are like questionable but I think I don't know yeah. cool prayer prayer together with someone and they'd be able to go through that it's pretty cool it's pretty fun I have a really silly example of mm -hmm what it looks like practically to pray and believe and act of you know what, what I was sharing about of like not being passive. So at work, there's a reason I'm saying this, at work we make house-made potato chips. Mm -hmm. we take the potatoes, we slice them ourselves, we fry them, season them, boom, fresh potato chips. There was one day we were out of potatoes, therefore we can't make potato chips, and we had big event coming up that we needed a lot of potato chips for and needed them in the store, needed potato chips, we're out of potatoes. I'm waiting on my delivery to come, 
went on the produce and wasn't there. It was supposed to be there hours ago. They're delayed. And I'm waiting on potatoes. Instead of just, you know, whatever. I could have gone to the grocery store and gotten potatoes, right? But working on things and have time. And the day I'm like, why am I stressing out? I'm stressing about this past few hours because they're hours and hours late. I'm like, I haven't even stopped myself to pray. You can pray about potatoes. Mm -hmm. So I, I pray, and you actually just tell me about a movie, Faith Like Potatoes. Like this, potatoes. Is a whole, this is a whole other Faith by Potatoes. This is my <laughs> Yesha Faith by Potatoes. But um, So I prayed. I said, let me stop my stressing and pull out my hair over these potatoes because I haven't prayed about it yet. I've been stressing all these hours. So I prayed. God, would you let this delivery come? Pray about other things too in that moment, but God, let these potatoes come. Mm -hmm. So, instead of just praying and then standing there expecting the potatoes to come, I said, I prayed, now let me act as though they're coming. So I got the slicer out, I got the bucket of water filled up, got it set up to be ready to throw the sliced potatoes in there, got the slicer plugged in, got it all set up, station ready to go, turn it on, adjust it to the right width, and I'm like, cool, turn it off, now I'm ready to go once the potatoes get here. Knock, 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 knock. Produce is here. And it was it was just it's such a silly example. Yeah. But I think that it really, really shows what it looks like to act on your faith and not just pray and expect something to happen, but to pray and and also act as though and also act what was that line I said? Pray as though it all depended on God. God, I need these potatoes to come. But act responsibly and obediently as though it all depends on us. I'm going to get this prepared as though they're coming right now. Mm -hmm. And I got myself prepared for slicing potatoes. And this moment, the moment I was set up, potatoes arrived. Hopefully that makes sense. It was like preparing for success and not preparing for failure. It was like preparing as if God had already answered the prayer. Mm -hmm. And God already gave you confirmation. It's going to come. Yeah. You're like, okay, cool. Thanks, God. And then you just prepare, you prepare it as if mm -hmm. it's already coming. I think that's a good practical way to also like, Give, like give your worries to, to God to give your worries to Jesus because sometimes that sounds like very Christianese and you try to tell other people that it's like dude what does that even mean like give my worries to Jesus why do I then why do I still worry why am I so anxious like that doesn't even work or like that's what people's minds like and I think that right there is a good practical way to give it to Jesus like just pray about it in that moment and then prepare to succeed and then mm -hmm. hopefully the hopefully it yeah, now, I'm not going to go... Like, silly prayer to me is, like, some of the coolest prayers. Like, silly, like, I'm not going to go buy a lottery ticket and say, God, <laughs> let this lottery ticket win. So I'm going to go uh, buy four houses because yeah. I, I'm, I'm expecting a giant, you know, <laughs> income, right? Like, that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. Not that these potatoes had anything better to do with my faith, but it's just an example. Anyway, I think that's all I have for you guys for today. There's this old kind of really dumb joke uh, about this guy who was praying to uh, to win the lottery for 20 years to God. And he's like every every single day, he'd be like, God, please let me win the lottery. Please let me win the lottery. And then um, after 20 years, God, as he was walking into the grocery store, he uh, called down to him. He said, Hey, meet me halfway. Buy a ticket. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a really dumb joke. But <laughs> so he had never bought a ticket all those years. What? Oh, it's on. just a dumb joke. But that's ridiculous. Uh, but that's like the I think the level of ridiculousness that that we can have too if we mm -hmm. just kind of we say yeah 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 okay give me to God blah 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 but you're not actually doing just sitting there passively right mm -hmm. very, very, very passive. Um, just, yeah, you just gotta put in the work. You can't win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. Correct. <laughs> Again, not financial advice. Not not no, recommendation. No, yeah. <laughs> don't bank on Statistically unlikely. The lottery banks Cool. I always pray. If you get for calling, she's an example of praying. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the example that you have been to us and to, to everyone of, of showing us how to pray. Not only did you show us and, and teach us words of how to pray and model an example of, of how to pray when we're alone with God, but you modeled a life and a heart posture of prayer. 
Thank you for being able to demonstrate how to live a life that is fully dependent on the Father. For showing us how important it is to take time apart from everyone and everything else to spend time in communion with God. Help us to be able to model after that um, and be able to set aside time to be able to wake up early, to spend time with you, to pull ourselves away from something, to take our lunch break and make it a time of prayer, to be able to take time with other people and pray with them, and to be able to do it with the, with the right heart of coming to you, not for any expectation of, of people thinking better of us. Let that never be even in the, the back of our head. Lord, help us to always have a, a posture of prayer and to always be modeling after you and to be able to, to follow your example. In Jesus' name. Hey, thanks for listening. It's always a good time in God's premises with us. I hope you enjoyed it and that you tune in again for the next episode of the Monday Night Godcast.